0: All right, Ruth chapter four tonight. The book of Ruth uh, chapter four. Good to be in church tonight. And I know what time it is. And uh I know uh yeah, I know it don't matter, but it kind of does a little bit. And uh I don't <laughs> the uh what do they say? The uh the mind can only absorb what the Uh, But the seat can endure, you know, something like that. So I'm not going to keep you here all night. You've been working hard all day. I'm sure you will got to work hard again tomorrow. And I do appreciate the opportunity to be here. And and I'm glad to be a part of the college and recording the classes. And I I, I recorded one yesterday and and three today. And, uh, man, just teaching 45 minutes apiece to an empty room. I'm just glad to see somebody out there. And uh, that's great. You don't even have to do much. I mean, just be there. And uh, that's better than what I've had uh, today. And uh, so, but I know I'm honored to uh, be able to uh, help with, uh, with all that. And then honored to preach here tonight. Let me just give you just a quick thought. Ruth chapter 4. And uh, I want to start in verse 7. I do want to take time to read this text. It may be uh, maybe about 10 verses, but uh, 7 to 17. I want to read those verses. Ruth chapter 4. The Bible says, Now this was the manner in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing uh, for to confirm all things. A man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor, and this was a testimony in Israel. Therefore the kinsman said unto Boaz, "'Buy it for thee.' So he drew off his shoe. And Boaz said unto the elders and unto all the people, "'Ye are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's "'and all that was Chilion's and Malon's of the hand of Naomi.' Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren and from the gate of his place. Ye are witnesses this day. And all the people that were in the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman that is come into thine house like Rachel and like Leah, which two did build the house of Israel, and do thou worthily in Ephraim, and be famous in Bethlehem, and let thy house be like the house of Phaeraz, whom Tamar bare unto Judah, of the seed which the Lord shall give thee of this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife, and when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel, and he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life, and a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. And Naomi took the child, and laid it in her bosom, and became nurse unto it, and the women Her neighbors gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of of David and I want to call your attention it's really all through the text that we just read but we really see it emphasized in verse number 17 the last verse that we read says the women her neighbors gave it a name the baby now you see what we just read the neighbors came over and named the baby now that's a very interesting thing to me right there and so I want to preach on this thought just for a minute before we go home why you need nosy neighbors Everybody needs nosy neighbors. And I want to tell you why, all right? Let's pray together and ask God to help us. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Lord, we're thankful for the privilege we have to be uh, just in church tonight. The testimonies, of singing, Lord, it has refreshed me and, and uh, revived me, and I'm thankful for it. Help us as we look in your word. Give us some something that'll help us and, uh, and strengthen us, encourage us, and edify this church. And Lord, I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, we just read the end of the book of Ruth, and I know there's some genealogy that we left out at the very end, but this is... This is the happily ever after ending that we've all been hoping for. As we read the book of Ruth, we hope the girl and the guy they get together and and it all works out. It, it looked like for a moment maybe it wasn't going to work out. There was a nearer kinsman redeemer and all these things, but but it all works out. There's a resolution. It comes to a, a crisis and then there's a resolution of that crisis. What a great story it is. Of course, we know it's more, it's. I mean, it's real. This isn't Hollywood. This is the real deal. But what a great story it is. And uh, there's a marriage and a baby and a legacy and and, and it and points us toward David and even past David, King David, uh, uh, to Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a great thing that is. But one thing that caught my attention while I studied this last passage here uh, in the book of Ruth is the emphasis that is on community in this in this passage. And I want to point that out to you just real quick. There's an emphasis in these verses that we read on the community. I want you to notice when we get to chapter For the business that is being conducted here, it had to be done in front of the elders of the city. They had to uh, bring together a quorum. It took ten men, verse number two says, and they were able to conduct, transact this legal business at the gate. But it had to be done. It couldn't be done in a corner. It couldn't be done privately. You had to get a representative of the city, representatives to come together and to put this legal stamp of of approval on the business that was going on. And then when we get to the scripture that we read, we find out that 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 the kinsman redeemer that would not... Uh, complete the redemption. I call him the reluctant redeemer here, this nearer kinsman. He had to pluck off his shoe. And look what it says. The reason he plucked off his shoe at the end of verse number 7, it says this was a testimony in Israel. It was so the entire community... Could be witness to what was going on. In fact, that's what that's what they say later on in verse number eleven. We are witnesses, and that's what Boaz does in verse nine. Boaz said unto the elders and all the people, verse nine, "Ye are witnesses this day." This thing wasn't done in secret. It wasn't done in the corner. This thing was done in front of the elders, and then eventually the entire community that is there at the gate. They're all watching, and they are all witnesses of what has just transpired and they respond in verse number 11 they say we are witnesses and then when naomi is holding this, uh, uh, or even before she the baby comes in verse number fourteen. The women, look at the women. The women come around and and, and, they're, and they're saying, "Blessed be the Lord which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman." And then verse seventeen, we've already emphasized that the women they come over her neighbors, all the all the the women, you know, that go around and gossip about everything, talk about everything, and and run everything, you know. There they come, and they and and and, and they're and they're uh, 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 conducting uh, uh, this, uh, uh, or they're there encouraging Naomi, and and they're. Nam- Naming the baby and all this kind of stuff, which I find very amusing. You know, naming babies is like a—it's like a, a sacred thing these days. You know, gender reveals and baby names and all that. Can you imagine inviting your neighbors over to let them name the baby? I mean, that wouldn't even take place. I mean, Ruth's not even there. This is Grandma holding the baby right here, and this is just so foreign to everything that we know. But what I, what I'm, what I want you to notice is that there is an emphasis on the community, the elders, the, the, the city. Of The women, the neighbors. Do you see that, how it's emphasized over and over? In fact, from chapter, all of chapter number 4, uh, and really from verse 11 onward, Uh, the community is doing all the talking there is an emphasis on 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 community and really that's what this story is about the story of Ruth is about a woman of course with her husband and with her sons but but the story of, of Ruth is about a woman by the name of Naomi that left the community of faith and she left her community and now she's coming back to her community when the book begins Naomi is in a place of isolation and she is separated from the community of faith. And when she comes back home, you'll find that in, in chapter number 1. Look who shows up. Go to chapter 1 just for a moment. When she comes back home into Bethlehem, uh, Judah, the Bible said that all the city, I think it's in verse number 19, so they two went till they came to Bethlehem and it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. So they had left the community and now they come back to the community and here they all are surrounding them. When the story opens up, she's in a place of isolation, but at the end of the story, at the end of chapter 4, she's surrounded by people that love her and surrounded by people that are encouraging her and that's exactly what we see here. When she was in isolation at the beginning of the story she's what? She's bitter, isn't she? She's sorrowful. She's empty. But when she comes back to the community of faith, the blessings began to flow. Man, God lines things up and there's a kinsman redeemer and and there's a husband and there's a baby and then there's hope. There's hope in her life. But as long as she was separated from the community there was no hope and she was bitter and angry and and just uh, just miserable on the inside but when she come back the blessings began to flow in her life can i say this tonight that god has never intended for his people to live in isolation listen you're not an island all to yourself In the Old Testament, God gave His people land and He wanted them to inhabit it together and and be together and help one another and be accountable one to another. And In the New Testament, we have a church family. Isn't that right? And God commands us to assemble together and not to forsake that assembling together. Why? Because God knows that when we're together, we're better. Satan knows that he can decimate the joy of a Christian if he can isolate you from the fold. He's done it many times. Many many times he'll get somebody off by themselves. Uh, you know, two is better than one, and three is better than two, and four is better than three. Listen, that's the implication there of those verses in Ecclesiastes. Listen, more is better. We're better when we are together. But when you have those temptations, and we all do, we all struggle sometimes with those temptations to withdraw from the community of faith. Well, I'm not going back to that church, or I'm not just going to put myself out there anymore. I'm not going to. I'm not going to risk it anymore. I'm not going to put my heart in it anymore I'm not going to open myself up because you open yourself up and you get hurt sometimes don't you and you think well I'm not going to do that anymore that hurts I I don't want to do that anymore but can I tell you we need each other we need the people of God in our life we need the people of God in our business amen (laughs) I knew I wouldn't get a whole lot of amens right there we're real private. We like to be private, you know. Well, to an extent, you know. We like to be private. And uh, we, we don't want people in our business. Can I tell you, that's not the way God set up the church. In fact, Philippians 2 says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of what? Others. Others. You know what that means? That means God puts you in a church so people can kind of poke in and see what you're up to. Now there's lines and there's boundaries and all that and I'll let Brother Gravely preach that for another day. But I'm I'm talking about the other side of this thing just for a moment. Listen, when you're just a vault of secrets and you won't let nobody in and nobody knows where you're at and what you're doing and what's going on. Listen, that is not New Testament Christianity. That's why people a lot of, like a lot of these mega churches and things. They don't care if you're there or not. You can blow in, blow out. Who cares? You can be there, be at the ballpark on Sunday. The preacher ain't going to care. He don't care. He's not going to call you. Nobody's going to mess with you. But I tell you what, that's not the way it ought to be. Amen. Yeah, you need some nosy neighbors in your life. That way when you ain't Sunday school, somebody's calling you up and saying, where you is. Hey, Amen. Amen. That's why when things are slipping a little bit in your life, you need somebody to come in and be like, hey, what's going on? That ain't right. That's what a real friend will do. That's right. Amen. This whole thing of we're just going to go to church and you do your thing and I'll do mine and you stay out of my business, I'll stay out of your business and we'll just, we'll just sit on the same pew together and say amen and then we'll see each other next Sunday. That's not what the Bible says New That's Testament right. Christianity is. Right. It's a community of faith. It's a household of faith. That's Amen. And there are boundaries. And again, I ain't preaching that tonight though, all right? I'm preaching the other side. We ought to be in each other's business. Why? Why do we need nosy neighbors? I'm going to give you three things and then we're going home. Number one, I'll tell you why you need nosy neighbors. Number one, because you need peer pressure. You need peer pressure. Um, I know we think about peer pressure, we think that's a bad word. But peer pressure can be a good thing. It depends on... Who your peers are and what they're pressuring you to do, right? Peer pressure going to be a good thing. And here's 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 what I see. Look at the text. This is in the text. I'm not just making stuff up. I do that sometimes, but I'm not tonight. <laughs> but verse seven, it says. Now, this was the manner. Why does the writer take time to tell us about the custom here? It's because we. It would be real weird if. You know, they're just plucking off shoes and we don't know why. But he's connecting what's going on back to uh, a command in Deuteronomy 25. This was the manner... Uh, a man let me, let me skip a little bit a man plucked off the shoe and gave it to his neighbor and this was a testimony in all of Israel Deuteronomy 25 we're not going to take time to go there actually I do want to take time to go there just for a second you don't have to but I'm going to read just a little bit just for a second this is what it's talking this custom goes back to Deuteronomy 25 and here's what it says and if the man this is Deuteronomy 25 7 like not to take his brother's wife then let his brother's wife go up to the gate unto the elders and say my husband's brother refuses with the raise up unto his brother a name in Israel. He will not perform the duty of my husband's brother. This is the reluctant redeemer. This is the redeemer that says, No, I will not uh, raise up the seed. I will not marry the widow and raise up the seed. And if if you don't know the history of all that, you'll have to do a little study. I don't have time for that tonight. But that's what his responsibility. He was responsible by the law of God to marry the widow and uh, of his brother and raise up... Uh, raise up a seed unto his name. But if he would not do it, verse 8 tells us, then the elders of his city shall call him and speak unto him, and if he stand to it and say, I like not to take her, then shall his brother's wife come unto him in the presence of the elders and loose his shoe from off his foot and spit in his face and shall answer and say, So shall it be done unto the man that will not build up his brother's house, and his name shall be called in Israel, the house of him that hath his shoe loosed. Now here's what God did. God built into the law of God, into his law, he built in a social stigma that is attached to the man who would not raise up the, the, uh, uh, the seed of his, uh, of, his, of his kin, of his near kin that had passed away. So here's what it's saying, the, the shoot he had to pluck off the shoe. What did that mean? Well, you know, God told the people of Israel through Joshua, he said, "Wherever you put the sole of your foot, I'm going to give you that as a possession." That shoe, the putting down the putting down the foot, that was a uh, that was a sign of ownership, of possession. And so, what this kinsman was doing when he said, "I'm not going to redeem her and I'm not going to redeem the property," by taking off the shoe, what he's saying is I am forfeiting ownership. I am forfeiting possession. I am giving it up. Now, this didn't happen in the book of Ruth, but it could have. This this uh we don't know his name. He's the near kinsman. I call him ho I call him such a one is what I call him, because that's what Boaz calls him in verse one. He says, Ho, such a one. So it's kind of like Obi-Wan, but it's such a one. And that's what I call him, but we don't know his name, which is amazing because the reason he wouldn't redeem Ruth is because he didn't want to mar his inheritance. He didn't want to mess up his reputation, but God didn't even put his name in the Bible. We don't even know who he is anyway, so. But uh, and so he had to take off his shoe Now this, oh, oh such a one got off easy He got off, he didn't get spit in the face and all that It's because Boaz was secretly on the inside going Yes, 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 yes He was glad this dude didn't want to redeem uh, redeem Ruth But he, he didn't get spit in the face But what God had put in the law was this That he had to take off his shoe, he got spat on in the face And then it said that for the rest of his life He was supposed to be known in the community as the one whose shoe was loosed. And so he had a new name now. And so when people saw him in the community, you're the one who would not, you're the one that that forsook your responsibility. You're the one, he's over wobbling around on one shoe, right? I'm sure he found another shoe eventually, but... He's the one. You're the one. You're the guy. You wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do it. And you know why God put that in there? He put that in there so men would be pressured into doing what they're supposed to do. And I'm going to tell you why you need a community of faith around you. You need some people that you're accountable to. You need some people that are pressuring you to do the right thing. You say, well, preacher, shouldn't you do the right thing because you just want to do it? Yeah, you should. But is everybody always like that every single day of your life? I'm not. I'm going to tell you something. There's some days I don't want to do right. Hey, there's some days I, I, there's some listen, I'm I'm going to shock some of y'all right here, but it's all right. Hey, listen, there's some Sundays I don't want to go to church. Amen. Now, it's not many, all right. Maybe like 10 times a year, Super Bowl Sunday night, something like that, you know. Or sometimes, listen, sometimes I don't want to go to church. But you know what keeps me doing right? You know what keeps me from just throwing a lot of things away? You know what keeps me from ruining my life? Sometimes I think about this, and I know this might be bad, but God put it in here. Listen, what will people think about me? And I know, listen, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, it ain't about what people think about you. I understand that. But yet God puts you in a community of people that love the Lord so sometimes you'll do right just because you don't want people talking about you. Amen. I know for a fact, if I were to compromise, Brother Gravely, if I were to give up... Uh, give up some things and compromise some things i know for a fact i know that brother gravely and there'd be some other preachers in my life that would call me out on it and when i'm tempted to compromise i'm gonna be honest i think about that sometimes and I'll, I'll tell you listen this nosy neighbor in my life right here he's been a blessing to me amen there's some preachers that are plum nosy they call me and say hey chris how you doing hey wanna how's your church doing Hey, how's everything going? You doing okay? Are you doing all right? You walking with God? You doing good? And uh, you know what? I thank God for that. When I think about compromising, I think about the faces of my people that I'll have to tell. And I'll have to tell. I got a front row of boys at our church that, that, that sit on that front row. And I think about that front row of boys all the time. I think, man, if I fall, if I fail, if I don't hold up my end of this thing, I'm going to let down a whole row of boys on that front row. And I know it ought to be more than that, but it ain't any less than that. And why do you need people in your life? Because you need accountability. You need people that will hold you accountable. In fact, Boaz, when he, said, when he finally says, I'll do it, he does it in front of the whole city. And, he tell, and, he, and, and Boaz looks at the whole city and says, you are witnesses. I'm gonna, and he tells his intentions. He explains all this. He said, I'm going to marry Ruth and we're going to have a baby. That's what he said. And the whole city says, we are witnesses. And so, you know what? That held Boaz accountable everywhere he went. People said, did y'all get married? Yeah. Where's that baby? Y'all had a baby yet? Where's that baby? Y'all better get going. Where's that baby at? You said you said you were going to have a baby. We were all witnesses of what you said. And that held him accountable. That's a good thing. I'll tell you what. If you don't like accountability, that means you're doing something you don't want people to know about. Yeah, man. People that don't like accountability, it's because they're doing things they don't want anybody to see. Men love darkness rather than light only for one reason their deeds are evil. I'll tell you, God, God, God knew what He was doing when He put this church together, didn't He? Then put this church thing together. He knew that He put us in a place where we had to be accountable one to another. That's why there's things like church discipline and you have a pastor and all. What is all that stuff? That's peer pressure to do right. Amen. Yes. amen. Jesus said if somebody's in sin, you go to. It. If they won't get it right, take a witness. If they still won't get it right, he said tell it to the church. Isn't that what he said? Right. Why, did, why did Jesus put something like that in there? Because, he's, because Jesus knows how we are. God knows how we are and how we're made up. And he knows if there's some kind of a social stigma that goes along, maybe we'll get things right and we'll amen. repent. Amen. amen. Yeah. And that's just how we are. Right. Why do you need nosy neighbors in your life? Because you need some peer pressure. And I thank God that I have surrounded myself with a group of people that would be on me. I'm talking about they would be on me. They, they, oh, bro, man, if I compromise, brother John Morgan would be at my house ripping shingles off my roof. No doubt about that. And I have a metal roof. Amen. No, I'm just kidding. But thank God for good peer pressure. I'm telling tell you what, boys. Hey, y'all need to pressure each other in doing right. I mean, y'all need to stay on each other. Y'all need to link arms and get together and say, hey, we're going to stay in this thing together. And then y'all need to encourage each other to do right. Y'all need each other. Amen. And when somebody starts separating and isolating, that's a telltale sign right there. They're into things that they don't need to be doing. Amen. And so why do we need nosy neighbors? Because we need peer pressure. Number two, why else do we need nosy neighbors? Because you need some prayer partners. You need prayer partners. Look what it says in verse number 11. It says, and all the people that were in the gate, and the elders said, we are witnesses. And then look, they started praying, don't they? The Lord make the woman that is coming into thine house like Rachel and like Leah, which too did build the house of Israel. You know, before, there was only two people praying. There was only two. There were two praying, Lord, please do something in this family. Please. There was Naomi and there was Ruth and there was little hope and they didn't think anything's going to happen. They sure enough didn't think a marriage and a baby. When they were traveling back from, uh, from Moab to Bethlehem, they weren't thinking about, they just thinking about surviving. If we could just get some food, if we could just survive, if we could just get out of Moab and get back home and just survive and then we'll die and then that's it. And they were just thinking about survival and they're just two and they're thinking and they're praying and then there's a little glimmer of hope and then they begin praying and, and then Naomi says, Ruth, you got to go to the threshing floor maybe maybe things will progress maybe something could happen here maybe there is a future and you just had two women praying and now we get to verse number 11 and what do we have? we got the whole community praying now it's not two women praying now it's everybody's praying God bless them God help them God use them Uh, God bless their life give them a child bless this marriage and now the entire community is praying for a baby to be born. Listen, I tell you why we need each other, because we need to pray for one another. Amen. It's good when one prays. It's better when the whole town is praying. Amen. And they, man, they're praying. Now, their prayer is kind of interesting to me. If I'm Ruth, and I don't know if Ruth is here at the gate when all this is happening, but in my mind, I think she showed up at some point. And Here's Ruth, and here's Boaz. We know he's here. All these elders and all these witnesses, and this becomes like this big community affair here at the gate. And then all these people, they start praying. When when it comes to pass that Boaz and Ruth and they're getting married, and they're gonna have Boaz and we're gonna get married, we're gonna have a baby, and everybody starts praying for them. And their prayer is a little interesting to me. It says, The Lord make the woman that has come into thine house like Rachel. Wow, well, like, that's a good prayer right there. And like Leah, that's a good prayer. Rachel and Leah, man, that's who God used, to, and, and some help from some handmaids. We're not going to talk about that. But Rachel and Leah, God used them to the 12 tribes of Israel, right? All of Israel can be traced back to Rachel and Leah. And so I can just hear them praying, and, and they say, oh, God bless, make her house like the house of Rachel. If I was old Ruth, I'd be like, "Hey, man, hallelujah. If I'm Boaz, I'm saying, amen, you know, grant it, Jesus, grant it, Lord. And then they say, you know, make, make your house like the house of Leah. And I'm saying, yes, Lord, yes, grant it, Lord. And then they said, like the house of Tamar. And then I'm going to say, what? Tamar? That's kind of awkward. you know who Tamar is? Genesis 38, Tamar, the one who... Secretly seduced her father-in-law and had twins by him? Okay. That's a weird prayer. Rachel, yes. Leah, yes. Tamar, what? <laughs> Make her house like the house of Pharez, which Tamar, born <laughs> unto Judah and all this. Wait, that's, not a, that's not a good story. We, that's the kind of story in your family history you try to never bring up again. It's kind of thing like, yeah, you remember, I remember, all right, let's not talk about it ever again. But there it is. Why in the world would they bring up that? That's the most awkward story in the Bible, possibly. She disguised herself like a prostitute to have a child with her father in law. But why did you but, but but think about her story just for a second. Huh? I'm trying to get done here, but think about her story just for a second. What is her story? Her husband died, you remember? Tamar, her husband died. And what was supposed to happen? The brother was supposed to marry her and raise up a child. Just like this whole story here, this kinsman redeemer. Onan was supposed to be the kinsman redeemer. They got married, but he wouldn't give her a child, would he? God killed him. And then Judah, supposed to give her, by the law, Judah was supposed to give her the next son. And Judah wouldn't do it. This woman Tamar had been denied a seed that was rightfully supposed to be hers. And she did went about it the wrong way and she did things wrong, no doubt about that, but at the end of the story, guess what? She got she had two. God gave her two. God God gave her God gave her two babies. You know what that story is? Even in that crazy situation, God had mercy on a woman that had first been denied that's ruth ruth had been denied by the first kinsman redeemer and now she has been she is getting married to boaz and they say god give her a child. She was denied first but she's getting another shot at it and God give her a child and the lesson is this is that we serve a God that can take a huge mess and turn it into a huge miracle. God can take broken things and nasty things and unthinkable things and he can bring beautiful things out of it. That's the kind of God we serve that's the kind of God we pray to and that's the kind of God I need you Praying for me too And I need to be praying for you I want you praying for my kids I'll pray for your kids Let's pray to that God together And God answered their prayer didn't he Verse 13 They have a baby How about that Why do you need church Why do you need nosy neighbor Why do you need people going See some of y'all You don't want anybody to know what's going on in your life you think, well, I'm just going to suffer privately. And I'm not saying we ought to get out air, all our dirty laundry and everything that's going on. That's not what I'm saying at all. But listen, there ought to be some times in y'all. Some burdens are meant to be shouldered, but some burdens are meant to be shared. And there's some, some of y'all are going crazy in here because you're not willing to grab a close friend and say, hey, listen, here's what's going on in my life. I need you to pray with me. And instead of coming into church with blinders on and just thinking, well, it's just about me and my family. I'm going to get what we need and then I'm going to walk out and, and then do, and do my own thing. Why don't you look around and ask God to show you there might be somebody in here that's carrying a burden and you never, you never know what you might do to them by going up to them and saying, you know what? God put you on my heart. I don't know what you're going through, but hey, I'm praying for you. Amen. Amen. Now that's the kind of church it's worth going to right there, isn't it? Amen. I thank God for some nosy neighbors in my life, people that get in my business and help me pray. They don't post it on Facebook. They ain't telling their 50 closest friends. They're taking to the throne room of God. Amen. Amen. Why do you need nosy neighbors? Because you need peer pressure. You need some prayer partners. And then thirdly, and I'm done, you need some praise promoters. You need some people that will promote praise in your life. Uh, Look at verse number 14. Here comes these women, okay? Verse 14, And the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman that his name may be famous in Israel. And then they began to talk about all of Naomi's blessings. They began to tell her how blessed she is. said, man, this baby, he's going to be to thee a restorer of thy life and a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. This baby was born, and here comes all the women. Here comes all the neighbors, and they all come in the little house there, and they start telling Naomi how blessed she is. said, man, God's give you a kin.'" and God's give you a baby and God's restoring your life and God's going to take care of you in your old age through this baby right here and God's giving you a daughter-in-law that loves you more than anything and you know what, them neighbors come in and they just start telling Naomi man, God's been good in your life and they, you know, they end up naming the baby, do you know what they name the baby? Worship, that's what Obed means they named the baby worship you know what they come in there to Naomi and said you need to worship God look at how good God has been to you now I don't know how you are but sometimes I have blessing blinders on my life sometimes all I can see is the bad and I can't see the good but man I'll come to church sometimes you know even when I'm kind of grumbly and don't feel like it and I'll come in and think you know just all upset about something and man the people of God will start bragging on the Lord and maybe they'll say something man preacher God's been good to you. Man, look at that family you got. Man, Man, look at these young people we got up in the choir. Man, look at the, man, look, look, you know what the offering was last week? Man, you know what God's been doing around here? And they start talking about and I just say, just be quiet. Leave me alone. I'm trying to have a pity party, all right? But nosy neighbors, they won't let you have a pity party. They'll come in your life, start pointing out how blessed you are. And they look to that baby, and you know what? Ba- babies sometimes can be work, can't they? Well, not sometimes. Babies are work. Amen. I don't know how Naomi was feeling on this day when they all got in there. But she's taking care of the baby. You're Ruth and Boaz, they're off at Olive Garden somewhere, I guess. And, and Naomi's Naomi, they're on a date, you know, and Grandma's holding the baby. Maybe that baby's crying and she's getting a little frustrated and she's getting a little flustered because babies can be work and babies can be worry. But when, and, and maybe she got to thinking of it that way. But, man, when those neighbors got in there, they saw that baby. They didn't see work. And them baby, when they got in there, them neighbors didn't see work. Now, those neighbors looked at it and said, That's worship right there. I tell you what that is. Naomi, you need to lift some hands toward heaven and you need to thank God for being good in your life. And man, I love coming to church and hear the people of God brag on the Lord. You know what it does? It reminds me, Yes, you know what? They're right. God has been good in my life. Man, God has been good to me. Man, this church, it's not worry, it's not work, it's worship, man. My job, I'm going to worship. family I'm going to worship man my house I'm going to worship my car my salvation and you get around the people of God and if you don't watch it they'll just remind you how blessed you are amen that's why we need each other we get all by ourselves and all we can think of is all the things to grumble about and then the people of God come around and they got to ruin it all don't they they start reminding us how the youth choir gets up and say I am amazed that he take the time to give me such mercy Fill up my life. How about that? You couldn't help but think about, you know what them nosy neighbors were up there and they were getting all up in your business and saying, quit having a pity party. You're blessed. God's been good in your life. You wouldn't have got that sitting at home watching Wheel of Fortune. Amen. Amen. That's exactly right. We need people in our lives that will point us to the blessings of God and remind us how blessed we are. Amen. We need nosy neighbors, don't we? You know, we need each other. Thank God for nosy. You know, there's, uh, in the Bible, there are 32 one another commands in the Bible, one another. These people that say, well, I can, you know, I worship God. I just do it at home. We don't have to go to church to worship God. Well, you don't have to go to the hospital to be born either, but it's a good place. Amen. It works out real good. But I tell you what, people, they have this self, we live in day, a, it's a consumer mentality when it comes to church. It's about me. If, it ain't, if I don't think it's going to benefit me, then I'm going to stay home. What if it's not about benefiting you? What if Hebrews ten twenty five is not even really about you? What if we ought not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting what? What if, what, what, what if coming to church on Wednesday night and I know you worked all day and it's been a long day and maybe you skipped supper and you just slid right into the parking lot just a few minutes late and you got here and I'm glad you're here tonight. Thank God for it. But what what, what, if, what if you come in here, what if it ain't all about you? What if somebody else needed to see you tonight? What if somebody else needed to hear you sing? What if, what, what, what if somebody else needed to, needed, needed to be encouraged by your presence? It ain't all about us. It's about others. God, save us from this It's all about me, selfish mentality. No, we, God, has put us together so we could help one another and be a blessing. You got to get connected and encourage one another. And I think our prayer tonight ought to be this: as we stand all over the house, I think our prayer ought to be this, Lord: help me to be a blessing in the community of faith that God has put me in. Lord, help me that you've put me here in this church. And God, help me to be a blessing. I don't want to be a hurt. I don't want to be a burden to nobody. I want to be a blessing. God, show me people I can encourage. And God, please help me tear down some walls that maybe I've built up in my life to try to keep other people out. And Man, that ain't the way way this thing works. Man, that, that early church when everybody, I mean, filled with the Holy Ghost, thousands of people just got saved. What did they do? They sold all things and had everything in common. Now, I'm not necessarily recommending that tonight, but there is a principle there, isn't it? the church, we, we, we're together, we're connected, we, we're here for each other, we're, we're in each other's lives, we, we, we cry together, we rejoice with them that rejoice, and we weep with them that weep, and we pray for one another, and we hold each other accountable, and that's what we ought to be doing, and we encourage each other to praise God, even when we don't always feel like